Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom He died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the Scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the Word of God regardless of who gets offended or not. In Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. The sword, the right use of the sword. I'm going to finish a few verses here in 1 Corinthians 13 where we left off. Verse 2, I'm going to pick up in verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a chapter I want to encourage you once again to read every day for the next five days. I believe your life will be absolutely changed as you pray before, during, and after your reading of God's Word. Hallelujah. The Lord refresh you and cause the fruits of uh, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, evidence of the Spirit to be produced in your life so that you will truly know him and not be one of those many who Jesus said will say in that final day of judgment, Lord, Lord. They call him Lord. Many today call him Lord, but they will hear the horrible words of eternal termination. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And these are people that actually cast out devils, did many wonderful works for the Lord. They preached his word. They wrote books. They wrote on the internet. They did all kinds of ministry. They had their ministry website. They sang in a choir. They did all kinds. They produced CDs or whatever. They did music. And supposedly for the Lord, but yet he's going to say to them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. That's a horrible reality. Jesus foretold it. Why? In order that you and I can escape being one of those many who will say unto him in that day. Wow. Right before that, and then in that same passage, twice he said that you shall know them by their fruits. We know ourselves and others by our fruits. We better listen up to the Holy Scriptures with ears to hear as only God can give us, gives to those who truly draw near to him in their hearts so that we will be prepared for his soon return. We will see the earmark proof in his work that we really know him before it's too late. Let him that hath ears to hear, hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches, to you, beloved. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3. 13, two. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing, nothing, zilch. God's not impressed. Verse three, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, I'm a giver. You see, verse two covers those who do ministry. Let's see if we can see something. Verse one covers those who speak in tongues. That's a good thing to do. It's biblical. But you can speak in tongues and go to hell. You can speak in tongues and be nothing in the sight of God. Verse two covers those doing ministry. People that have the gift of prophecy. They understand all the mysteries and have the knowledge of the word of God. And they even have have faith, even mountain moving faith. And yet if they have not love, they're nothing. Verse three speaks to those who are givers. There are those today who are givers of money and time and things and don't even know the Lord. As we see in this verse, verse three, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body, even giving your body to be burned at the stake and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. That means it's possible. There's a lot of warning in this love chapter, beloved, a lot of warning. It's possible possible to even be a giver 
Give all that you have or give a lot of money. Give a large percentage of your income and even be willing to offer your body and yet to be burned and not know the Lord. Perhaps these are people who do what they do to be seen of men, to be receiving recognition from men instead of having God as their audience and truly living to please him. When you live to please the Lord and only care about what he says and what he thinks about you, you're going to be protected. You're going to be protected from the strife of tongues when people begin to slander you and persecute you. I got news for you. If you're serving God, you're going to be slandered. You're going to be lied about. In Matthew 5, 11, Jesus said, you'll be accused falsely. Jesus had false witnesses rise up against him. If you're doing anything for God and being used of the Lord in the spirit and with his word and wielding the sword aright, especially, you're going to be lied about, beloved. It's happening to a lot of us at this point, but it's a manifestation of who's truly of God and who's not of God. Those that are truly of God, as we read earlier in 1 John 3, are not involved in malicious slander concerning God's children. No, they manifestly declare that they're not of God if they're partaking of this, you see. They're like Cain. They're slaying the brethren of the Lord with their the words of their mouth. They're full of hate. They're of that wicked one. 1 John 3, verse 12. In verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, charity suffers long, very long suffering, and is kind. Charity envieth not. A lot of jealous people out there slandering folks that are actually moving in the spirit and being blessed and used of God. There's a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy. It's a work of the flesh. It's a soul-damning work of the flesh. And so is emulations, one of the 19 works of the flesh. Emulations means striving to excel at the expense of others. That's Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Notice charity vaunteth not itself. When the love of God is in a true disciple, that's the only place it finds a home, then he is not vaunting himself or seeking to be seen of men. That's the work of a Pharisee. And we have many Pharisees that God wants to restore and to forgive and redeem. Is not puffed up, isn't puffed up about self. They're like the true servant of the Lord is not vaunting or puffing up himself. He's like Paul. He announces that he is nothing, that he preaches not himself, but Christ. See, Paul said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ. We're not sufficient of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. The true servant of the Lord points to Christ, the only perfect one, not himself as being perfect, but Christ is perfect. And the true servant of the Lord knows nothing but Christ, and to elevate Jesus, not himself. Verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly or indecently and shamefully. Seeketh not her own. It's not self-seeking. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Doesn't think wrong about others. The one that's truly walking in love walks in the light with Christ, walks in the cleansing blood by confessing any sin he might commit. He didn't have to, but he might if he does. You see, he seeks not his own. He's not easily provoked. He thinketh no evil. Therefore, you see, those that walk in the Spirit know that and understand fully of the mercies of God and the compassions of God, which fail not. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And they see that if a person that's a brother or sister has fallen, instead of hating them, they love them. Love overlooks them all to the sins, the scripture says. It doesn't attack. It doesn't join the crowd and attacking and being a, a wolf pack, claiming to be sheep like Cain was, who was of the devil and slew his brother. You see, that's for the counterfeits. That's for the, the chafe, not the wheat. The wheat enjoin the brother or sister who has fallen. They pray for them and seek their restoration. And they say, a soul from death. They don't attack a wounded sheep when he's down. 
down or she's down. They pray for them. They pour the oil into their wounds like the Good Samaritan did. They bring healing. They bring blessing with their words, with their thoughts. You see, love thinketh no evil. See, the true sheep of Christ, who is the great shepherd of the sheep, have the heart of the shepherd through relationship. Jesus said he's come to seek and save that which was lost, and he rejoices over one fallen saint who is restored. They have a restorative love of God in them. They don't attack a sheep when he's down or being slandered. No, they pour in oil. They come to the rescue. That's an earmark proof that you're walking in the love of God. There's precious saints that are walking in that love of God. And yet there are those who are like sharks. They like it when they hear about a sister or a brother that supposedly has sinned. Well, guess what? They're in the same boat as you. I can tell you, you're sinning right now, living like that. Your heart is full of sin. If you knew the Lord, you'd know his redeeming, restorative grace and mercy and compassions to restore one of his own. And you wouldn't be participating in attacking another one of his children if you knew him. You see, those that cannot see the restorative grace of God working in others' lives, it's because they're not experiencing it themselves. They're lost. They don't have the love of God in them. If they did, they would have the restorative love of God in them, and they wouldn't be thinking evil, much less slandering and speaking evil of other believers. The Bible says, speak evil of no man. There's only one law and only one lawgiver, baby, and you're not him, and neither am I him. And God's calling you to repent and let him be God, not you. In fact, that was James 4, 11 and 12. In fact, James 2, 13 says, he shall have judgment without mercy that hath shown no mercy. If you're not showing mercy to others and you're thinking evil of them, you're reaping judgment and it's going to come upon you heavily in these days ahead. You're sending forth a boomerang. You're not loving. The Bible commands you to love mercy. Micah 6, 8. God loves mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Oh, I know you want to see people destroyed because you're full of the devil and full of hate. According to 1 John 3, 12, you're of that wicked one. But God does and he's not willing that any should perish. You see, you're walking in that rebellious heart like Jonah did. He didn't want to see men of the saved. He was upset knowing that God was a God of graciousness and forgiveness. He was upset when he preached to the Ninevites and they repented. That's a wicked heart, folks. God wants us to cleanse us of that. Jesus came to seek and save, 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 rescue and bless that which was lost, not destroy them. Luke 9, 56, the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He told his disciples, you don't know what spirit you're of. You're trying to call down fire from heaven on these people. You don't even know what spirit you're of. Some of us don't know what spirit we're of. We're trying to slay everybody and attack everybody. We're thinking evil about people. Love thinketh no evil. Let me quote to you 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. Concerning the servant of the Lord, a true servant of the Lord, a servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt or capable to teach, apt to teach, blessing those that oppose themselves. Or let me get the right word here. Let me start over. Second Timothy 2, 24 through 26. The servant of the Lord. That's a good phrase to bracket because we're getting ready to find out what and how the true servant of the Lord operates. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Be gentle unto all men. Apt. How many people have not been gentle unto all men? I got my hand up because I haven't. But we can change. We can be transformed. We can't do things 
our way, folks. We got to repent of our obstinance and rebellion and cease to be like Cain, who did things his own way and thought God was going to receive him and just overlook it. No, God's trying to rebuke us to the depth of our being so that we truly repent, surrender our lives to him and do things the way he said to do them, not the way we're choosing to do them. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but rather be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. When you're gentle on the old man and you're not striving with him, that opens the door for you to be able to teach them. Think God had a little wisdom in that? I think so. Apt to teach patient, patient folks. You didn't just hear the word and repent and change your whole life necessarily. Sometimes it took a little time, didn't it? I know you repented immediately and were saved. That's the only way you got saved. But there's been areas of our lives that have been a little bit more stubborn. We would all admit it if we were going to be honest. In meekness. In what? In harshness. No, no, no. In meekness. Instructing. We're supposed to go forth and teach all men all things Jesus taught us, right? In How do we do that? In meekness. In instructing those that oppose themselves. They need help. God wants to use us to help them. Now, how is it going to happen? Well, if we do things his way, by not striving, by being gentle on the all men, apt or capable of teaching, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, or perhaps, will give them repentance, grant them the gift of repentance. That's how he does it. You see, he doesn't do it through harsh people that are wielding the sword their own way, the sword of the word, and it becomes a rusty sword that's contaminating and poisoning people. No, it's different. We read in this passage that he's going to grant repentance to those who are dealt with how? By a servant of the Lord that's not striving, but is gentle, apt to teach, wanting to teach, and patient. In meekness, he's instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, perhaps, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That's how God gives people repentance, through using people to minister. He does it through people who are not striving, not walking in the flesh, not striving with flesh, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, amen? But they're gentle, they're apt to teach, they're patient with people, they're meek, they're instructing others. And God God's granting other people repentance. I tell you, God can use us in a mighty way. He gives a prescription right here. Verse 26, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Deliverance comes through those who serve God his way, not their own way. And how is that? Well, they're not striving. They're gentle unto all men. They're teaching people because they learn the word and they're wielding it aright. They're in the spirit. They're patient. That's one of the fruit of the spirit. Long suffering, born out of a relationship with Christ. See, the fruit of the spirit is only born in those who are abiding in Christ. John 15, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Not those that are just running around doing stuff like Martha, but those that are sitting at his feet and have a relationship with him. And baby, if you got a relationship with him, you're in the word and you're in prayer every morning, period. If your relationship with Jesus ain't daily, it ain't at all. Excuse my Southern language here, but it gets the point across. You don't know him. You don't want to know him. You're not following him the way he prescribed. If you're going to follow Jesus, he said, you got to do what? Deny yourself. Oh, well, I'm tired in the morning. Did I die to it. Deny it. Put him first daily. He said daily. He made, he qualified who knows him. Those that are daily denying, setting themselves aside, taking up their cross and following him. Well, what, what does that mean? Do I need to build a wooden cross and carry it around? No. You said you die to self and self-will. You lay down your life. You cry out to God and you surrender fully. And when you do, you're going to delight to get up in the morning and seek his holy face. And you're going to begin to learn just how beautiful he is. And you 
you're going to enter into a beautiful relationship with him and be able to walk through anything that comes your way. Hallelujah. Because he's going to hide you from the strife of tongues and those who, the pride of man that rise up against you. Hallelujah. Psalm 31 verse 20, Job verse chapter 5 verse 21. You're going to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty because you're tucked under his wing. He has become and is becoming your hiding place. You're crying out like the psalmist that he is your hiding place and that you fear him and you're beholding the Lord in his presence. Psalm 27, 4. And I finished this segment with Psalm 27, which begins concerning David and those who were attacking him. Anybody who's walking with Christ that's listening to this message knows the more God uses them, the more they're attacked. David knew this. We read it throughout Psalms. And most of the time, the attacks coming from those others who claim to be Christians, but are not. They've backslidden. They're like Cain. They're in the same family, supposedly, but they're slaying their brothers and sisters. They're thinking evil of their own brothers and sisters instead of being a restorative agent in operating without striving, but gentleness and patience in meekness, instructing people in the truth to help them learn the right way and not just attacking them because they don't know the right way like you claim to know and you may even know. But you may even know the right way, but if you're not operating in love, you're wielding the spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and destroying people instead of bringing life, which is what Jesus came to do. The sword of the spirit is the word of God, Ephesians six seventeen. Now listen to what David says, Psalm 27, beginning in verse 1. The Lord is my light. You're not my light. I'm not your light. Christ is the only light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What does it matter what they say about you or what they're doing to you and usingly you and despitefully using you and persecuting you and saying all manner of evil against you falsely? Rejoice, Jesus said. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Why? Because the Lord is your light and your salvation. Whom are you going to fear? Hello. Paul said, he that spared not his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. It is Christ that died. They didn't die for your sins. You owe no man an apology after you've repented before God and received the forgiveness of the Lord. Because first and foremost, you sinned against God. He's the only one that's holy, 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 not your persecutors. Do you see the pride that we're filled with? We act like men owe us an apology because they sinned. Are you kidding? We don't owe any man an apology because of our sins after Christ has washed it away. And any man who goes to dig up that sin is an ungodly man. According to Proverbs 16, 27, he's digging up evil from under the blood of Jesus. And the curse of the Lord is upon him. How dare you call common what God has cleansed? Acts chapter 10 and 11. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. No man is, but the Lord is. Those that abide in Christ and truly seek his face, setting their affection on things, but they know him. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Who are we going to fear when God is truly the light and salvation of our lives? No one. We're going to sleep in peace, no matter what they're saying or doing against us. Verse 2, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Huh. God sets traps for your enemies when you serve him. And he truly, he is your light and your salvation. He's not just our light and our salvation because we say it, folks, because we enact, we live 
we do, we obey, we pray, we seek his face. Our whole life is bent on knowing him. We are consumed with knowing him. Verse 3, though in host, though even a bunch of people should encamp against me, a conspiracy of many people gather against you, my heart shall not fear, the psalmist says. Though war should rise against me, even if a war breaks out against me, in this will I be confident. One thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. And what is that? That I may dwell in the house or in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Hallelujah. To inquire in his temple, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Are you beholding the beauty of the Lord? You can only do that if you choose to seek him like David did as he answered the call of God to seek the Lord. You've been saved, but have you bought into, have you agreed and enjoined yourself with the purpose of the Lord that you may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, Philippians 3.10, that you may know him and the Father. That's the whole purpose for which you've been apprehended and why Jesus came, John 17.3. This is life eternal, that they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's the whole reason why he came, that you may know him and be one with him. David answered that call. Listen to verse 8 as we close. Psalm 27.8. When thou said, David says to the Lord, when thou said, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face will I seek. God called David, God who has no respect of persons, called David to do what? Seek his face. And what did David say? David, the man after God's own heart, said, thy face, Lord, will I see. Let me ask you something, friend. Are you a person? Are you a woman? Are you a man? Are you a boy or a girl with a heart after God? See, love overlooks a multitude of sins. After David had done some really mighty things, but also some gross sinning, the final testimony of David in the New Testament, long after he had done some evil things, was he was a man after God's own heart. Let me ask him, are you a man after God's own heart? Are you a woman after God's own heart? I didn't say, did you prophesy, pray in tongues, and sing with the most beautiful angelic voice. I didn't ask whether or not, God isn't concerned about whether or not you move mountains and you know the whole Bible. No. Do you have a heart after God? Because that's what really matters. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture rich and Christ centered. Also tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised by the way for those who are supporting and feel free to visit our donate page on the site and you can use your debit card, PayPal or Patreon and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so and again gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say, together in the words of Revelation 22. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.